to Chris so much. If you're a visitor here, this is Chris Yarborough, one of the men in our church who loves to sing. Thank you, Chris, so much. I want to encourage you one more time to turn to John chapter 14. And we're going to read again these verses, uh, verse 5 through 14. I promise I'm going to read them, not make any comments so that we can get on into the message. Uh, we're going to move on <clears throat> after today to, uh, to another topic. And I appreciate the privilege of being able to share the Word of God with you, and I really mean that. Um, folks, the Gospel of John, every portion of Scripture is, is God's Word, and it is divinely inspired, and all of it's so important. But for somebody like me, raised in South Carolina, poorly educated, the Gospel of John is just such a powerhouse of information about who Jesus is. And I hope and pray that as you've studied and read and come to know a little bit more about Jesus in the Gospel of John, that is bless your heart. And if you hadn't read the Gospel yet, and, and I just, again, I want to encourage you, I can't make you do anything, but I can encourage you, and I want to do that. I encourage you to read the Gospel of John. Say this little insert, uh, again, not because uh, I got Fran to put it in the bulletin, but because it's just, it will give you just a little bit of detail about what's going on in every one of the chapters. I encourage you to get a highlighter, an ink pen. Folks, make notes in the Scripture. God is not offended when you mark in the Bible and make notes and go back and read those notes again at a later date. You know, it surprises me in looking back on some of the notes that I've written in some of my older Bibles, what God said to me back during that time. Perhaps I'd forgotten about it, but it just brought everything back new and afresh when I did. And, and I'm saying all that again to encourage you, to encourage us all. Let's pray and then I'll read this passage of Scripture, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you most of all for your son. Thank you, Lord, that we can know you. And Lord, help us to understand that if we seek you, you'll make yourself known. Father, forgive us when we have been so caught up in ourselves and in our world around us. And Lord, truly, our schedules are so hectic and so full. Forgive us, Father, when we've not taken time to get to know you. Lord, how ironic it is that as professing Christians, we know that we're going to spend eternity with you. And Lord, it will, it will be just enjoying your presence and knowing you every, every day if there's any such thing in eternity. Lord, help us to see how, how silly it is not to pursue you and seek you even right now, knowing that you desire that we have an abundant life each and every day as well as eternal life at the end of this life. Father, I just pray that you'll inspire us. Lord God, that we would get hungry and thirsty for not only the bread of life and the living waters, but for the Word of God too. Lord, help us to know you better each and every day and help us to share our knowledge of you with others. For we ask in Christ's name, Amen. John 14, beginning with verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. As we began this study, we pointed out that knowing the Lord in a deeper way is up to us. Now, I don't mean by that that God does not want to reveal himself. God just wants us to know him. A heavenly Father loving His children, showing us that love through His Son, wants us to know Him on a day-to-day basis. He does not want to be a stranger to us. He does not want us to wait until the end of life, and all of a sudden we say, Lord, I want to get close to you, because I want to make sure you remember who I am when I get ready to die. Folks, I want to tell you something. God wants us, because we are His creation, because we've been born again into the kingdom of God, God wants us to know Him. The Gospel of John stresses knowing God, knowing Christ. 141 times, it seems, the word know or known is used. We've also looked at the four different levels of knowing Jesus according to John. And I'm not going to go over those again. But folks, what I want to do this morning in winding this down, these past three Sundays what we've learned, what does all this have to do with you and me in today's world? And folks, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I need to ask you and me a question as Christians. Do we really want to know who Jesus is? Do we want, as Christians, to know him in an intimate, personal, daily, ongoing way? So often... We substitute our personal knowledge of knowing Christ for the knowledge that our parents give us, our spouses. We substitute someone else's walk with the Lord for what God wants us to have with Him. We, we're disinterested in knowing the Lord, many of us. And I'm saying that again, I've, I express that in my own heart and life. And... And I've listed four reasons that we don't desire to know Christ better. And I'm saying this to challenge us, not to belittle, nor to be critical, nor sarcastic. But I think there's evidence in the Gospel of John where there were reasons why people didn't want to know who Jesus was. The first reason is truly knowing Jesus would wreck our personal religion and self-righteousness. May I say that again? Truly knowing Jesus would wreck our personal religion and self-righteousness. And folks, I believe that there is evidence in the Gospels where the religious leaders, the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, had manufactured their own religion, which was based on their self-righteousness and pride. And let me give you an example of this. Matthew chapter 23, it will be on the screen. And these, this chapter, Matthew 23, and, and surely you've read it and you know the gist of this chapter, Jesus has been confronted by the Pharisees. They basically have called him a liar, a blasphemer. He cannot be the Son of God. And listen to what Jesus says. Woe to you, 
Pharisees and you religious leaders. You are like beautiful mausoleums. You know what a mausoleum is? It's, it's a place where people's bodies are buried, most of the time above ground. But listen to what he says. Full of dead men's bones and of foulness and corruption. And listen to this next verse. And this is in the Living Bible. You try to look like saintly men, but underneath those pious robes of yours are hearts besmirched with every sort of hypocrisy and sin. Does that describe us? And again, folks, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my heart with you today, okay? Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Instead of Jesus being in their hearts, their hearts were full of hypocrisy and sin. Now, hypocrite is someone who is an actor. He can on the outside appear one way, but on the inside appear another way. You remember that God does not look on the outward appearance, but God sees within a man's heart, correct? And because Jesus is God, he could see into their hearts and he can see into my heart and your heart too. And folks so often, and again, I'm, I'm part of this, and that's why I can tell you because I understand the problem that Jesus was having with these folks. They were substituting their own self-righteousness and pride for knowing Jesus on a personal and daily basis. Are we doing that? Are we saying we don't need to know that much about Jesus? We don't need to get serious about serving Him? Folks, what if Jesus had had that attitude? I don't really need to go to the cross for them. I don't really need to shed my blood. Look at how they treated me. Look at how they hate me. You know, there's something that, that so often we don't identify with, and that is Jesus, although He was God, He was man. Remember? God became man... God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus knew what it was like to be a man. And Jesus knew how Satan would tempt him to say, well, just forget that crowd and don't worry about them. How easy it would have been for him to call legions of angels to rescue him. But he would not. Folks, he followed the Lord's will. He did not try and live on his own personal religion and his own self-righteousness. And folks, I remind you again that the greatest problem of humanity is the sin problem. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If it was true back in Jesus' day and Paul's day, it is true today. And folks, we are religious people by nature, we know that there's a greater being that we are responsible for. And two, listen to this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 17. And you might wonder, why in the world are you reading this? Just listen as I read these verses, okay? Acts 17, beginning with verse 18. Some also of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers met him, that is Paul. And some said... What would this babbler say? I love it. They're calling the preacher a name. Can you believe that? What would this babbler say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he preached. Now listen to what Paul was preaching. He preached Jesus and the resurrection. They took hold of him 
and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, now I'm going to give you, I'm going to put this down in Chubb Lake language, okay? They took Paul to the store, where everybody who thought that they knew everything, and I'm not, i got to be real careful, I might be... <laughs> I stop at the store. Y'all know that, okay? And I indulge in conversation too. But they brought Paul amongst this crowd of people who thought they knew everything. Listen to this. May we know what this new teaching is which you present. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So, Paul, can you imagine Paul? Paul, standing in the middle of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are what? Very religious. Now, you remember what we have said is the difference between religion. Religion is man's effort to reach up to God and make himself God. Christianity is holy God reaching down to sinful man by the gift of his son. So Paul has said, you're very religious. And this is why Paul says this. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it. Now listen to this. Number one, Paul is saying that this is the creator God. You know, we've got a lot of folks in our society today that don't believe God had anything to do with creation. That's another story. All right, let me get back to this. Verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. Listen to verse 26. And he made from one, Adam and Eve, he made from one every nation of men to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him, yet he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone or or representation by the art and imagination of man. That is, God is not man-made, God-manufactured. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to what? To repent, to turn from sin and turn to him, to make a U-turn in life. Because he is fixed today, now listen to these two verses, or this verse, because he is fixed today on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Paul is saying here there's going to be a time of judgment. The Creator God is going to hold you and I account for the lives that we have lived. He is going to base that judgment on our response to His revelation of who He is and what He's done for us. And listen to this last phrase. And of this He has given assurance to all men by raising Him from the dead. Who is Paul speaking about? Who is this man that God has raised from the dead? It is none other 
than Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God who came to this earth, who lived, he died on a cross, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. Folks, do you see what Paul is saying here? Folks, we can manufacture our own religion, our personal religion, but folks, there's one that we're going to be held accountable to, and that one has sent his very own son to show us who God is. And folks, I want to remind you again of John 14:6, And I know we've read this every Sunday. We've often spoke of it. But listen again to John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In our world today, many people have trouble with this verse, this proclamation by our Lord. As Christians, so often we're called many names, and one of them is that we're just so close-minded. And some will say there are many ways to God. Folks, that is contrary to what the Word of God teaches. It is contrary to what the Son of God said about Himself. And if you believe that, and I'm not criticizing. You have the right. All of us have the right to believe whatever we want to. But let me tell you, if you want to know God, the first step is knowing Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father except through the Son. Do we understand that? Do we live that? Let me give you quickly three other things. I'm going to run out of time. Knowing Jesus would not only wreck our personal religion, secondly, it would cause us to repent of sin and follow Jesus with a heart committed to him. There's so many stories in the Gospel of John. You remember in John chapter 8, the woman caught in the very act of adultery is brought before Jesus. You know that story well. Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And all the people, the elders, religious people, throw down their stones and they begin to walk away. Jesus is left with the woman. You remember what he says to her? Neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin again. Folks, if we get to know Jesus, you know what we're going to want to do? We're going to want to turn away from sin as Christians. We're going to want to be more a part of God's will than a part of our will We're going to want to get as far away from sin as we can and as close to Jesus as we can. Because, you see, if we stay in sin, trying to know Jesus, Holy Spirit of God is going to convict us. You're wrong. You cannot continue to grow in your faith and your walk with with the Lord if you want to continue to be in sin. And I'm saying that, again, to myself as well as you. Thirdly, getting to know Jesus would bring us out of being a secret disciple and cause us to acknowledge openly and publicly that we are believers. And let me ask you a question. Do people know that you and I are committed Christians? The Gospel of John reveals two disciples who tried to remain anonymous and secret. You know who they are, but let me read them again to you. John 19, verse 38-39. After this, after Jesus had died... Jesus of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, look at those two words, but secretly. Why was he a secret disciple? Look at the next phrase, for fear of the Jews. If he bore witness to the fact that he believed in Jesus, they would run him out of the synagogue. He would lose his position in the Jewish community. But guess what? When Joseph of Arimathea 
saw Jesus die on the cross, I believe he knew then who Jesus was and how much Jesus loved him. So he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave, so he came and took away his body. And the second one, in verse 39, Nicodemus also. Remember Nicodemus, chapter 3? You must be born again, Nicodemus, Jesus said. Where had Nicodemus been all this time? A secret disciple. But he too, as he must have witnessed the cross, he too determined that he no longer would be a secret disciple. You see, when we really get to know who Jesus is, we'll stop being a secret disciple and we will acknowledge our faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a fourth thing, knowing Jesus and walking with him daily will lead us into a greater faith. Folks, let me read these two verses again. This is back in chapter 14, the verse I've already read. Listen to this. Truly, truly, this is verse 12 and 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Greater works than these will he do. The believer, the follower of Jesus. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that, this, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let me give you one example in the Gospel of John. When Lazarus dies and Jesus waits several days, I know you know that story. When Jesus is journeying to Bethany, Martha, one of the sisters, hears that Jesus is coming out, is coming to meet them. And just listen to this story from this perspective. She runs out to meet the Lord. And she says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And apparently Mary does the same thing. You see, they thought if Jesus had been there, he would not have died. And then Jesus gives the revelation of who he is. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? And what did Martha say? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the one coming into the world. And guess what? Jesus takes them out to Lazarus' grave and calls him back to life. And if you don't believe that story, just keep reading in the Gospels because you find out that they hold a celebration in their home to honor Jesus. And not only do the Jewish leaders want to kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus too because Lazarus is a witness to the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Here's the point though. If Mary and Martha would said, Oh Jesus, I think if you'd have been here you could have healed him. But Jesus, I don't think he's dead. He's dead. I don't think he can do anything for him now. But what did they say? Yes. Yes, Lord. You're the Son of God. You're the Christ. Folks, what are we stopping the Lord God from doing because we're not willing to get to know the Lord Jesus better and better? Let me close with this story. True story, and I want you to hear the story through before you make a decision about which way I'm going with this, okay? When I began preparing these messages, one day I had to be in, in Durham. It was one of those, one of those mid-afternoon times when, when Durham is kind of at a standstill. 
And I hadn't had any lunch yet, so as I was going into Durham, I stopped at a fast food market, a uh, fast food uh, restaurant, and I didn't want to go through the drive-thru, so I, I went inside. And I've never seen this fast food uh, restaurant like this before, but other than the staff, there was nobody else in there. I was the only customer. And apparently it was a manager that was sitting at one of the tables during paperwork. And I went to the cash register. And again, hear this whole story before, before you make a decision about what I'm trying to say. I went to the cash register and ordered, um, ordered what I wanted, and it came up to $3.36. The only thing I had was a $20 bill and some change. And sure enough, I had the, had the 36 cents change. And so rather than getting more change, I gave the person who took my order the $20 bill and the 36 cent. But when the person saw the $20 bill, they automatically punched it into the computer. Well, when I gave them the 36 cent, it messed everything up. And I could tell as the person, the young person tried, and this is not a castigation of young people, as the young person tried to figure out now what to do, the computer said $16.67 change. And he kept looking at the money and looking at the change, and he kept looking at me. And folks, normally I would have been very upset. And... Just tried to explain to myself, but I thought, I'm not going to make a scene. You know, I've had a good day up to this point. I'm not going to get upset about this. I want to get my food and sit down and eat and then finish what i got to do. And the young person gave me the $16.67 back rather than $17, which I was due. I got my food and I sat down. A younger adult than me came in, a lady, and made an order And the same thing happened. But she called him on it. She said, you have not given me enough money back. And the young man was, he was so hurt I could tell. The manager heard what was going on because the lady got a little loud. Where I just went on, she got real upset. And I could tell the young man apparently did not understand how to count money. And I would estimate that he was probably around 20 years old. The manager came over there and in front of the customer and in a way that everybody could hear, tried to start teaching him how to count money. And I could tell how embarrassed he got. My first thought was, well, here's an, and teachers, please, do not take what I'm about to say personal. I thought, here's another sign that education somehow has let people down. But then I thought, no, that's not true. Was that young person encouraged to learn how to count? Most of us my age, I I remember the fifth grade and I hated it. The teacher made us learn cents, ten cents, and dollars. You remember that? But it sure worked because you don't mess with my money, all right? As I left that day and I had these sermons on my mind about knowing Jesus, I thought, I wonder how many people who are professing Christians know so little about the Lord. It's not a criticism, y'all. That's not what I'm saying. Folks, 
I am more convinced than ever that we need to teach and preach the Word of God with an enthusiasm that we've never ever done it before. And we need to stop thinking about other people's opinions and tell them what God says in His book. Because the only opinion that really matters is God's. Amen? He's not going to be impressed when I stand before Him on Judgment Day and say, well, I read in one of my theology books... Folks, how many people are caught in this world where there's a lot of preaching going on, but there's not a lot of living of the gospel? And they're confused. These are people that are lost. And Satan wants them to be confused. Satan does not want them to know the Lord Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. And folks, that's where you and I come in. We are the teachers. You remember? Those disciples went out to share that Jesus was the Son of God, and that He died, He was buried, and He rose again. Are we teaching our children, our grandchildren that? Yeah, it sounds silly to the world, doesn't it? Paul was confronted with that at Athens, but he would not back down. Folks, are we learning about Jesus so that we can share the Lord Jesus with others? Folks, there's a great burden for the world to hear the gospel not only from the pulpit, but from my life and your life as we leave this place and go out and serve the Lord. Let's pray together. I've said enough. Heavenly Father, help us that we would desire to know Your Son. Lord, I thank You that at a point in time in our life as Christians, we've acknowledged that we were sinners and needed a Savior, and we've trusted Christ. But God, forgive us if we walked away from Your Son and from You and said we've got all we need to know. God, I pray for that young man at that restaurant, that not only, Lord, that you would help him learn how to count money, but, Lord, if that young person does not know your son is Savior, that he would know. And I pray that you'll put Christians in his path. Lord, there's so many people in our, our families and within our community, at our workplaces, in our circle of friends, who don't know who Jesus is. God, help because we are committing ourselves to know You in a greater way that when they see us, that knowledge of the Savior will be so evident to them. Not that we're super smart, but Lord, we are just wanting to grow in our relationship with You so that our lives can touch the lives of others. Oh, Father, please. Please, Lord, give us a greater desire to know You and to know Your Son Father, help us to make time by studying the Word of God, by praying, by fellowshipping with fellow believers, by worshiping together, that we'll know you in a greater way. Lord Jesus, thank you again that we can know you. And Lord, today I pray that if there's a person here that's never trusted Christ as their Savior, that even right now they would begin that journey of knowing you by confessing that they are a sinner, and believing that you died for them and receiving you into their heart and being born into your kingdom. And God, help us to make a new commitment that as Christians we will not be secret disciples, but Lord, others will be allowed to see Jesus in us. Have your will and your way in these moments of invitation. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.